You're listening to Maximum Row versus the podcast, and we're here to be discussing that. from oh uh you know just the usual um mania uh panic hysteria uh disillusionment um existentialism just the huge you know your usual suspects (laughs) yeah all right we're rolling robert you look good you sound good i'm happy to be doing this you're going to be very impressed with the way this video thing is looking up what I was cool. consumed with and obsessed with before I jumped on here was figuring out how to rip, a.k.a. Um, uh, steal a video stream from a private Facebook group so I can download that yeah. video, right? And I figured it out. And just to share with the yeah. listeners and to share with you, if you ever need to do that, say you live streamed from Zoom or something into a private Facebook group and you didn't save the Zoom video, so you need to download that, but you don't have access in that private Facebook group. All you need is a URL and paste that URL into your web browser, delete the www part, the part that usually goes www.facebook slash the group, Delete the www part and type the word M as in Mary basic dot. And then you can download that video file. It seems so hacky. It seems so like, I feel like I'm anonymous when I do it. Like, Ooh, how did I do that? So does that, does that uh, happen for even private Facebook groups? Like you have to have access. Yeah. You'd have to have access to whatever. Uh, people have asked me about people getting access to information I put in like private groups I have for my subscription. And they're like, well, what if people steal it? And I just like, man, if, if you're enough to steal my stuff, I mean, it would, sorry, it had been a lot easier if you just asked me for free. <laughs> just ask, right? Like, controlling information isn't really the business I'm, I'm in like giving away information is the business I'm in and that becomes inordinately confusing to people who are operating in essentially I guess like an information economy where they think that you have to pay for information they're operating from some pre-internet mindset I know oh I encounter the pre-internet mindset all the fucking time um not just in in the day-to-day vocabulary that people use from like the old media times, like film rolls, send me a film roll or something like that. Uh, I was just told that today. I was like, a film roll? What do you mean? Like, you need to be exact with me. Um, But I I hear that kind of old school thought all the time, all the time, especially when it comes to like ownership, you know? Uh, Recently, Miley Cyrus was on Rogan's podcast and she she had mentioned how the music industry, the, the record labels and so on, that giant conglomerate, they still don't know how to capitalize on on the postmodern music scene. They don't know how to capitalize on what a stream is worth. What is 1,000 streams? What does that mean? How do you quantify that into dollars? They don't know. So even people at the top, they don't know. And so I think it's 
advantageous for guys like you and me who are here, who are controlling our businesses, and we get to maybe not control the digital flow of information, but we do get to share it. We do get to eliminate the middlemen. I do think that's an advantageous thing for us. And especially during 2020, during this COVID where, I mean, let's be honest, you were ahead of the curve. It was almost like you were ready for the rug to be just swept un under us in terms of you already had an online presence. You were already doing digital webinars and yeah. doing, you had a digital workflow, you had a presence, you were visible. And so you and I had a chat earlier this year, which seems like a decade ago. That was back in January, I believe. Here we are now. <laughs> a for decade real. ago. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, th with George Floyd's murder and the tiger bees or whatever that was and, and the pandemic, I mean, how has 2020 been for you? So, I mean, just to give you an idea of numbers, um, I, in the past, like, three months, so pandemic hits like was it late march april that's right. kind of right right there um three months later we had dropped like 50 different subscribers from my subscription service um the therapists are broke they're not doing sessions it's like an atom bomb has dropped on my specific industry but my income is is like diversified i've got some private clients that i see inordinately regularly some of them are programmers so they work from home mm -hmm. they're almost they're like a monk they they code buy groceries come home yep. that, that's about it so i had you know my multiple revenue streams didn't collapse it's just that some of them changed the thing that did change was i'm used to having in-person classes mm -hmm. those in-person classes you know people had paid you know six months prior for a class I processed about $5,000 in um, refunds. Oof. So the money, the money's in my bank. The classes can't happen. I'm like, but I, 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 I'm, I was getting divorced. I'm like, I need this money. And they're like, well, we need our money back. We didn't get our class. And I went, ooh. <laughs> wow. So, so they, fortunately, everybody was very patient with me, and I'm like, listen, can you give me a week? Sure, no problem. And then you know, I would just process the refunds incrementally. Wow. But if I didn't have, say, four revenue streams, that one revenue stream leaving really could have just you know, uh, threw me for a much uh, bigger you know, challenge. The other thing was in, in the midst of COVID, I essentially got quarantined with what now is my ex-wife. Now I'm divorced. The house is sold. I'm in an apartment. I'm on my own. But oh. it was not a it was not a good scene. It's oh like, hey, let's get God. divorced. Okay, now you're cloistered together. <laughs> yeah. Is is has that changed? Are you still quarantined with your ex-wife? No, no, no. So the house is sold. We're divorced. I'm on my own. I'm in an apartment. Um, I'm setting up my business, you know, again, so to speak. Um, I just went through this heavy transition that wasn't just COVID. It was my personal life and like losing my home studio uh, where I was prior. So to like reset up in my apartment and I'm still sort of organizing thing. I mentioned to you earlier the, uh, the multi-camera live streams, like I'm getting ready to set everything up through my computer to be able to live stream from multiple camera angles and it's like having a camera guy would still be nice but i'm able to essentially do the video production on my own just using some software wow man i mean 
2020, dude. Uh, I've listened to, I've talked to a lot of people who, man, their spouse got COVID and died or something. Yeah. You know, they lost their job. They got to leave a big city, go back to their hometown, swallow their pride, live with their mom. Everybody's been affected in some way. Uh, your story, for some reason, really packs a punch, man. That 5K shit, that ain't nothing to just roll your eyes over. That's a big fucking deal. And then being quarantined with your ex-wife, you know, and, and I'm not throwing any shade <laughs> to her. She was a lovely human every time I saw her, but uh, that's yeah. just rough. That's not ideal circumstance, right? That's just not ideal. No, 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 no. Like, You're... I... <sighs> So here's here's what I found from COVID. This is just my personal experience. Like I fared a lot better because I did have online stuff. Like almost as soon as COVID hit, a couple of educators contacted me almost angry hmm. because they realized Robert is still making money. God damn it. That hmm. little asshole. Like he you know, they're like, Well, what software do you use for your subscription? And there I'm like, go. Oh, I you know, I'm on Teachable or whatever. And it's like they thought, I think, for two seconds that in two weeks they could just build an online presence, have an online school, and I'm like, I mean, cool. I mean, I'll, I'll help you in whatever way I can, but yeah. this this did not happen overnight. This That's took right. years of, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. So oh, yeah. I fared pretty well. Um, I don't want to rub that in anybody's face because I understand it's been a really stressful time for people. Sure. What I saw with COVID when I when it when it first hit and I realized because I don't watch a lot of news, when I went to the store and I realized this is before the masks hit, mm -hmm. like everything was gone. Yeah. Like you couldn't. It was hard to buy groceries. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Why does this feel so familiar? And I'm like, dude, this is like what Katrina. happened during Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. When Hurricane Katrina hit, like New Orleans got wiped out, people moved up river to Baton Rouge where I lived, you couldn't get gas, you couldn't get food. There was all this social anxiety and injustice about all these people from New Orleans in town, like people were very contentious. There's almost this layer of PTSD. Of where I go, it, it's like stepping back into a war zone and going Oh, wow. Yeah, no, most of these people have never dealt with this before. Like, to me, this was like, I, I've i already seen this. I mean, it's a different form. It's not Hurricane Katrina, but it had a similar vibe as far as like, what do we do? Now, the other part is, around the United States, you felt like other people around the country sometimes were om almost thought it was funny because it was just the Gulf Coast. But now, because of COVID, it's totally decentralized and it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. How yeah. does everybody respond? Yep. You know, yeah. somebody in Tennessee that doesn't have to worry about a hurricane. It's like now you, you like the, the fragile social network that we live in and just how um, how tattered it can become. Yeah, you've given this some deep thought. I've thought about it myself um, as a guy that struggles with depression and like very tricky thoughts, I'll say. There's a while, I think it was like maybe the third week of quarantine where I did not leave my house. And I had this weird fever dream for a second. This is still when we were very scared of COVID. We didn't exactly know how it was. We still thought it was transmitted through um, textures or like residue, which it's not. But at the time we thought so. And I had this weird, I haven't been sick in over a decade. Every now and then I'll feel a little ill. I'll go to sleep and I wake up and I'm better. Like I've never 
it's never took me out of commission, thank God, knock on wood. But this one night during the third week of being locked down, um, I was feeling terrible. I had this weird, I was getting chills, lied down, cold sweats, and I had this fever dream. And it just so happened, a, a thunderstorm, I sleep right next to a, a window, was going on. And it was just, you know, the... the the branches were hitting my window and I, I was having this weird fever dream simultaneously. And it was this weird inception moment where I'm conscious and not conscious. And I'm not really thinking and my mind's going a mile a minute, but I'm fatigued. And I had this like apocalyptic end of the world dream where the apocalypse was my fault and the pandemic was my fault. And there was this evil, sinister, tricky voice inside me that thought that was real. And when I woke up, I thought, well, now everyone knows how it fucking feels. Like, it was such a tricky, it was such a disgusting thought, but there was a while where now everybody was locked inside their house like I've been for a long time. So now everyone has to come down to my level. It was a weird, and I had this, I had this thought in a, in a strange fever dream, so don't hold that against me, whoever's listening, but now that it's been months and I've seen, I've seen, we've kind of come like full circle a little bit where I think we have a better hold on the pandemic. We now know that it, it gets transferred through, you know, uh, air, essentially, uh, you have to breathe it on someone, something like this. Now that we have a better grip, I can honestly say, I don't wish this on anybody. I don't want, I didn't want this on anyone, but I'm an optimist. You know, I'm, I, I look at something that was a colossal, you said it yourself, just the fragility of, of our, of our connections, you know, it reminded me, and I want to say us, of what's truly important, what really matters, what we were slacking on as well, whether if that was human relationships or our businesses. For those that did not digitally pivot, boy, were you and your weaknesses so thoroughly and visibly exposed, right? So a part of me felt like, wow, like some thesis that I've subscribed to and believed in working from home and yada, 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 things of this nature proved to be pandemic proof, whatever the hell that even means. But I saw a lot of people hurting and a lot of people reaching out. And it was it was tough, man, like for an extrovert like myself who likes to feed off of other people, not like a psychic vampire, but just to just to get the vibes. That's been a struggle, but man, now we're all on the same boat. We're all on the same struggle. Whether if you, like you said, you know, you're in Oklahoma, Tennessee, where a hurricane would never hit you. Now we, we all ran out of toilet paper at that moment, right? Like it was completely bizarre. But here we are, September 10th, 2020. The dust has settled, settled just a little bit. You know, some things are, I don't really participate in bar culture or things like that. Um, but by and large, you know, you can get a haircut now. There's a while where you couldn't. You can go to the gym if you want to. Most places have a very strict wear a mask policy. Where are you at now? You said to yourself, you're in a you're in a new apartment. That's fantastic. How has your business changed today? Well, I mean, the clients I see, you know, it's with masks, but again, it's a very small number of clients, so it's not a huge issue for me. Um people have asked me about in-person classes and I'm like, I just don't think it's a good idea. I think it was sometime in, it was March, April, May, June. It was either June or July. I had told people around like April when we shut down, like, Hey, are we going to do the time of size jam? Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Let's revisit it in June or July. 
I'm going to, I'm going to write you guys again to find out, should we go ahead and do this? And I was mostly just cloistered at home, running my online business, trying stuff, figure out the computer software. I mean, knives, huge. Like if, if you think I respected what you did before, I'm now, I've now downloaded some of my own video editing software and I'm like looking at videos you shot and I'm like, that's how he did that. Like mm -hmm. I have a little bit more understanding of, of your art because of that. So mm -hmm. I write people and go, Hey, it's June or July. Should, you know, how do, how are you guys feeling as a community? Should we <coughs> get together? And people were shaming me. Mm. How dare you even insinuate that people could get together right now? And I'm like, what? I'm like, guys, I can run the Time Massage Jam from my home mm -hmm. via webcam online. Like, I'm, I'm like, so the thing is, is like, if I'm working on a client with a mask, yep. and then you get another person to work on people and they're wearing masks. So now we've got four people at a jam. Is like, is that any less safe? I mean, granted, you know, according to the statistics, yes, there's more people involved, more variables. But I'm like, I think they thought I was just going to put 20 people in a room and just have them all work on each other. And I'm like, no, I'm asking you for feedback about what you guys want to do. And then after they kind of went back and forth for a while, I was like, hey. So it sounds like it's not a good time right now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go ahead and I'll do the, I'll get a, all the software set up so I can do the time size jam from home. It's also a good avenue for me to go to in in a sense you know when you talked about how people didn't pivot their business digital. I was on digital. I just couldn't eat as much as I wanted because of resources both of time and money. Now what happened was if you take away, like we talked about revenue streams, if you take away focus from stuff, now it all goes online. Knives, I sat down and figured out in a very short order. One, I gave away $49,000 worth of CE credit to massage therapists for free online. Already, you, it was already set up. Why'd you do that? Said, because they're broke. Because mm -hmm. COVID hit and their entire industry is just like a bomb has just dropped on it. Yeah. So there was no – like, in other words, other people were like, no, you should sell. And I'm yeah. like, dude, they're broke. Yeah. Like, their income that was already rough and manual labor-based because yeah. they're doing massage has just been wiped out. Like, you build good street cred by going here. And what I did was I, I gave that away. Yep. Then it was like I worked on messenger bots. Now, I'm a massage therapist. I sat down and made messenger bots in five, six different incarnations to like set up through my social media. So there was an automated sequence to walk people through the things that I offer. I mm. set those up. Mm. I worked with Facebook ads. I worked with Canva. I started making TikTok videos even more heavily. <laughs> yep. I continued producing in all these ways. And then I dealt with the multi-camera live streams and like running it through my desktop. Like I sat down and figured out the, the digital side of my business to an even more focused and, and nuanced degree. Like mm -hmm. I'm ready to push even further because I actually understand things in a better way than I did previously. Even just playing with the video editing software. What do you know now that you didn't uh, 12 months ago that you can use to, I don't want to say scale, but you know, that you can use to uh, move your business faster. 
in a more nuanced way to, to say it the way you said it? Well, for, for me, what I see, I guess the three main things is, one, we have automations through messenger bots, like on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I can set up an automated sequence that allows people to funnel through information very quickly. Um, any degree of automation that you add removes you from the picture yep. so that, yeah, it's some work to set it up, but once it's set up, it flows a little more easily. Yep. The second part is being able to have multicam live streams. In my opinion, based on what I've seen, if I am able to pull this off and then slowly increase the quality, it essentially eats massage education. It's, it's too high quality and it's too distributable, again, digital distribution, it's too easy for me to do. And I go, well, I don't have to rent space. I don't have to be in a classroom full of people. Mm. There's no extraneous noise. When yeah. I'm running my wireless mic through the software, I actually put filters on the audio so it's even more clear than when I'm just shooting stuff that's for my subscription. Because now it's my wireless mic with filters. Yeah. And it's from multiple camera angles where I go, okay, camera one, camera two, camera three. And it's flipping camera angles live through the feed. Mm -hmm. And here's what it does. It's like, do you want to sit in a room full of people and pay $400? Or do you want to hang out with just one person in your safe space because of COVID and study with me and it costs $100? It's not the same as in person, but this is, oh, man. The difference between what they considered online classes and they considered in person, mm. I, I bridge that gap to the point where I'm like, once this is set up and I'm running ads, this is going to crush. Like this is, it's too good. It's too distributable. It's too easy. It's too effective. It's, it's too much brand building. Mm -hmm. You know, when you add those things together between the messenger bots, online distribution via multicam live streams, and then video editing. Mm -hmm. Just the editing after the fact. <clears throat> Knives, I hired people like you to do that because it was a, a different art and different skill. Yep. I very much respect film. I respect what you did and all the other videographers that I've worked with. But when I sat down and started playing with it myself, it changes the way I look at an ad. It changes the way I look at video. How, how so? so? I, Tell me how. Tell me what do you mean by well, that. Well, the thing is, uh, so I had a background. Um, years ago in Baton Rouge, I did stand-up comedy. When you do stand-up, you only have your voice and you have your physical mannerisms. Mm -hmm. So when you're conveying something, they can't see what's in your mind's eye. But if you learn how to use video editing software, the visuals can reinforce the audio. Mm -hmm. So when my colleague, I was like, we're going to make an ad. And she's like, well, for what? I'm like, for your business. So I put the camera on her just like it's looking at me now. And I say, tell, tell your audience what you do. And we shot like a 45-second clip. I took that audio. And then as she's talking, it's like, yeah, you see her face. But then as soon as she says upper back pain, the video flips to her working on somebody's upper back. As soon as she says neck pain, it flips to somebody seeing her work on neck pain. As soon as she says low back pain, it flips to her working on something in the low back. I could tell like people's response. They don't even know, like for me, I, I was like this you know, a month ago before I started playing with the software. To me, it was, I, I knew that it was just software that you use, but it was like magic. 
<laughs> but the thing is, you start to look at the art differently. Like I'm, I'm watching movies now, stuff on Netflix, mm -hmm. and I would watch something. Uh, there's a series called The Universe that I've watched repeatedly, and they're going over like a specific planet like Mars. And the way that the video people are editing, and then they flip to a different picture mm -hmm. and they flip to a different audio piece to be able to like tell a narrative a story in a way that like draws you in in a way that just audio doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. it's a different it's a different beast being able to tell something in an audio visual form i very quickly just after making a couple videos was like this gives me the power to be an artist in a digital medium like I get to tell a story like when you went with me to Houston mm -hmm. and I remember watching that video the first time and went, whoa, he like, wow, he seamlessly flipped from the pro camera to his phone. Yeah. But it was so seamless. They don't even know like what what mm -hmm. camera it was shot on or anything else. And they don't so, care. They don't care. No. No. But the thing is, telling the story, because I'm a very um, audio uh, eccentric person. I'm a talker. Of course. But being able to see it mm -hmm. and then see it from multiple visual aspects changes people's retention. It changes their attention. Okay. So knowing what you know now and knowing the how valuable the real estate is on Facebook for an ad, for example, what paint, paint the visual for me for the first 15 seconds of an ad that you would do for yourself. For my stuff? Yeah. Oh, um, well, it depends on the audience that I'm advertising to, but um, advertising to massage therapists right now is, of course, challenging because they're having um, issues related to working on people in person. But if I was going to do just a quick 15-second, like, who's Robert Gardner? What do I do? Hey, I'm Robert Gardner. Listen, I want to help you transform your practice. COVID has really changed things. I want to show you how for $7 a month and free for your first month, we're going to help you build a mat-based close-on practice where you help people with chronic pain and mobility. I'm going to teach you how to do three-hour sessions, and you charge $240 plus a session. Go ahead and subscribe down below. Now, that's the audio portion. I got gotcha. you. That's they, the talking They might head. see my face, yeah. but, you, but you know what the video would do as it just flips through very quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm a novice. I'm not, I'm not as good at the video editing. I haven't used as much software played with the way you have, but I've done it enough where I understood what you were doing more. And then I looked at the medium completely differently. Like we talk about film and like Daniel DeLewis, like I like the film Lincoln, or you talk about uh, there will be blood now, now just because a little bit of video editing I've done, I look at it and go, Wow, like look at what it does to you visually and emotionally, mm -hmm. the change in the audio or the video or the combination. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. why did the director, the filmmaker, the editor, why did they yeah. do that? Yeah, I'll give, you, like, I'll give you a brief example of something I, I would want to highlight because I've seen There Will Be Blood 200 times. The first 20 minutes has no dialogue, right? So it's really like a silent film. You have this guy, Daniel Day-Lewis, he's... He's sleeping alone in the in the desert. He's he hikes by himself. He he discovers he's a silver prospector, right? He's this he's this young buck, you know, and he works very hard. He looks very grizzled. He discovers oil accidentally. He breaks his leg. 
God assumes that he walks to civilization and he makes sure that, you know, these people count his money properly and he's overseeing them, even though he has a broken leg on the ground. Flash forward a couple of years. Now he has an oil derrick, right? You're telling the story. He ends up collecting this child because a man, one of his subordinates dies in the hole and it could have easily been him. And the first 10 minutes of this movie, they have not said a word. Finally, it's him and this child that he's inherited on a train. And you know that this is your protagonist. The voiceover on this image of Daniel Day-Lewis and this young child on a train, the voiceover of Daniel comes in, and Daniel Day-Lewis has a very robust voice, comes in, and you know it's him. You know it's that guy, even though you haven't seen him talk yet. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very proud to be here today. And if you, you said I was an oil man, I would agree. That is happening, but we're still on the image of him on the train with the child. But we know that's him. And so when it finally dissolves into him talking to this town, that's the magic of cinema. Just all that. Just that right there. There's a transference of him here from, to him there. And it's done with the voice. The voice is it's, it's time traveling in this dissolve. Like it, So much beautiful filmmaking is happening in that one edit if you will and that one edit and even if it's in the script man to design that to design that using the visuals are absolutely beautiful like i i love dissolves you, you don't see them anymore they're very rare people don't people don't use that that cin cinematic language anymore but the power of a, of a dissolve a power of of one cut to another martin scorsese said i'll never forget this um i don't know how well you can recall the iconography of Stanley Kubrick's 2001, but one of the most iconic shots in movie history is this caveman who, who kills another caveman. He throws the weapon that he killed this caveman with, a bone. He throws it into the air. It, you see the in slow motion, the bone flipping in the air. And wow, it's just about to fall down. Smash cut into a space station, right? Martin Scorsese has says that cut from the bone to the space station, it's two pictures. But when you put them side by side in cinema, you think it's one cut, but there's really a third movement in that cut. It's an invisible cut. It's, it's one cut, but there's a third movement of like time traveling <laughs> that happens in that moment. The history of mankind happens in that moment invisibly with one cut. Only our dreams do this, man. So when you when when you yeah. know that you want to design like a, a narrative, like you said, when you know you want to do that, yep. you know you want to make an impact. You start visually. You know what your message is, and God knows you know your messaging yeah. better than anybody. Now visually, what are the what are the optics? What are the visuals that I can use to paint for maximum impact for someone on the internet who's scrolling down on their iPad or their desktop or their mobile device? And how can I get the person that I'm talking to? my most ideal customer, how can I get them hooked in five seconds? That is an art form that is so difficult. It takes tremendous practice. I'm not saying I'm all that in a bag of chips. You know, it, it's still hard. I still go through these growing pains of transitioning from showing a movie at a theater with 400 people to capturing people's attention on TikTok. It, the skills don't translate. I have to unlearn everything that I learned that I spent a decade and well, a half building, you know, it's, it's a whole new skill, Robert. So the fact that you're doing it, yeah. you can call yourself a novice, man. But like, let's, let's look at the TikTok app. 
Like that app is yeah. so intuitive. There's a voiceover. You can add music. You can add filters. There's cuts. You yep. can cut in the app. Facebook can't do that. Instagram can't do that. Nope. That's tremendous. Like that is one of the most underrated, if not the best video editing software I've ever seen. We take that yep. shit for granted, man. So novice or not, I, I don't I don't know. I don't really know so much because I've seen well, I've seen what you do. I see the stores that you tell. You're just as competent as I am. You can be good at the body work, be good at education and teaching, and then you continue to transform. Like for some people, if I had enough money, well I could just hire knives. And then knives does the video. And that's great if you can do that, but there's something that's changed where what I think it is is it's not how much of an artist are you. It's what I've been saying repeatedly recently is repeated iteration. So it's not doing the live stream once. It's doing the live stream a hundred times. Yeah. And once you've done it again and again and again and again and you pay attention, you pick up pieces. Like how many things did you discover as a videographer almost by accident? Everything. Where you did something – and you went, ooh, wow, I, but I, I didn't even intend this, but Everything. it came out a way I like. But you have to do it. Like mm -hmm. I can teach people body work, but they have to do the work again and again and again, understand their tools, which is their physical body, and interacting with a person's tissues to be able to master it. What I've done is through repeated iteration, you just kept – practicing trial and error, trial and error, make it better, trial and error, make it better. There are people in my industry right now, TikTok is not only vilified in the public at large, it's, pub it's, it's vilified in my industry. There are other educators who said, TikTok is trash. I will never, <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, guys, mm -hmm. if you knew how much noise and attention I got on TikTok, yep. I still make content for other platforms. Most of my focus is there. Yeah. Like the amount of traffic and like even the video editing, right? Like mm -hmm. I hate to say this, TikTok mm -hmm. of all the social media I used, I thought when I saw Snapchat and face filters, whoa, that was the end. I thought when I saw, you know, Instagram and Instagram stories and hashtags and then Twitter and mm -hmm. that was the end. Yeah. And then TikTok hit and I went, what? Yep. How? It's the most fun social yep. media. Now, I could sit down and make ads. I could do heavy video editing. No. I sit down and play with the app, and I tell a story. And I'm not really advertising to massage therapists there. I've actually gotten hate mail when I've taken a TikTok video and shared it in my other social media <clears throat> from massage therapists telling me all the things that are wrong with my video. And I'm like, TikTok isn't Facebook. Mm-hmm. These, these aren't the same thing. Like Twitter is not Snapchat. They're yeah, not the same I think, platform. I think YouTube and, and to, TikTok are more re closely related, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And YouTube's nothing I mean, like so Facebook. It's nothing like Facebook? Yeah, YouTube is nothing like Facebook. And I think TikTok and YouTube are closer. If they were to implement a search, like a really competent and detailed search element – on TikTok, game fucking over, man. It's game over. Dude, TikTok, I, dude, I don't even know. Like, if I would sit down and speculate, like, what's after? Like, what, what's coming? Yeah. So one of the things that blew me away about TikTok, I'm a big music fan. And one of the things I've had to think about is, like, 
well, if I put, because I'll occasionally have like background music in a video on YouTube and it gets flagged for like a copyright violation, even if I've supposedly gotten the audio from some open source thing. Um, like I've been listening to a lot of Little Peep, and then I was like, dude, why don't you, <clears throat> why don't you just take some of your footage, you know, splice it together to like your one of your favorite Little Peep songs? And then I'm like, no, but I can't monetize it. And it's like it's not about monetizing; it's about yeah. building a fan base yep. of like people who are body workers who also like Little Peep. You're telling a story. You're building brand. You're having fun because I'm just playing with video editing software. Yep. It's that sort of thing. Like when I saw how TikTok was integrating music. You know, I started integrating <clears throat> music into my little videos and different audio clips that were just hysterical. Like there was one where I think a guy was riding like a wave and you could hear people like, ah, like cheering and like, hey, crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I took that, you know, and flipped it into something I was doing where I was standing on somebody's quads. Nice. So it's like that's smart. The, the, the video. The video part is interesting. Yeah. But when you add the audio, it sounds like there's a cheering audience in the background like, <laughs> that's so smart. The, the storytelling component you know it's like uh comics um i i talked to javier cano uh he's a local stand-up comedian here in austin and i've told him to get on tiktok because i'm like dude during the pandemic like man if you were if you were a comic you need to be on tiktok if you're trying to build an audience yep your capacity for like again stand-up is auditory or visual based on your facial but it's like if you start green screening and like doing various things, it's an amazingly adaptive platform. I yep. think – and maybe maybe I, I think I hadn't thought about it that way in a while. I think it's because of what you mentioned about the video editing. Yeah, It's it's capacity in-app to be able to mm -hmm. quickly change things is so amazing. Complex. I mean just the green screen uh, filter, right? It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty <laughs> solid. You know, I see 15-year-olds I see who – have never taken a film school class in their day, but they know, they intuitively know how, I and mean, I call it dream language, they know how to how to speak the language. They're fluent in cinema, they're fluent in it. They grew up, they grew up with this, right? So it's so intuitive, yeah. it's so complex at the same time, and, and uh, it just keeps getting better and better. Since we're, since we're on this topic, we gotta talk about Josh Terry. Yeah. This guy is fucking killing it on TikTok. Um, <laughs> I can recall back in either, I want to say it was May, he reached out to me and was like, and let me just say, I, I'm not at all taking credit for a single solitary piece of success that this guy has had on TikTok, but he did reach out to me and he was like, dude, like I've been trying, I think he was doing a lot of like violin stuff, a lot of music stuff on TikTok. And he's like, I've been trying to break yeah. through. And I made a TikTok, a two part series TikTok, just saying, hey man, we're storytellers, you know? You gotta tell, you gotta take some, you gotta take people someplace, right? And I looked up one day and this guy had millions of likes, six yep. figures of followers. Like he yep. uploads regularly, frequently, it's so valuable. And this is a guy that blew up during the pandemic, man. Um, do you guys still talk and, and what kind of, Josh, what kind Josh, of nuances does Josh's he is does he give Josh's you? birthday was last night. He was yeah. in my apartment, and I made his birthday meal. Josh was – I met Josh through the Time Massage Jam, and Josh is one of my – I'm proud to say one of my close friends. Like I think of him a lot like you, Knives. Like there was just some sort of rapport beyond business. Yeah. And Josh was so good. Like he just worked with us regularly at the jam, 
licensed massage therapist would ask Josh, where do you work? And he's like, oh, I teach violin at the local. And they're like, whoa, you're not a massage therapist? They were so blown away. And they're like, dude, where did you learn to do the body work? And they're like, oh, I just come here every week. And it's like he was – he just learned. He was just like a sponge. He's one of the most intelligent and creative people I've ever worked with. And I could just tell the way his mind works. He had this amazing aptitude, and he was frustrated because he was – teaching music but like you could tell he wanted to expand but couldn't he was having a little some, some anxiety about it how does he do it and i'm like dude just josh go to tiktok and make content yeah just go make content like it is the most open platform at the moment it's the booming thing go make content and here's what happened it wasn't the music content mm-hmm. he started making content about finance and about yeah. investing i was over at josh's house one night and he's like yo check out my spreadsheet yeah. Now, if that's not the geekiest thing two white guys ever do, it's like he's he's running me through like mortgage, you know, statistics or whatever, like interest rates and you know. Yeah. And what he did was he took his camera and he started making that content and he he said something that was mildly controversial about the value of a home. That's right. And then it took off. That's he's the one. basically he's got people contacting him from TikTok. That's right. And he's essentially doing various forms of consulting between like audio video finance you know and when i say finance like he's not giving people financial advice he's just sort of having conferences with them and then there's other like musician related people who are paying attention to him like other musicians are contacting him trying to get advice on like how they set up their social media like he's in this weird spot where he's actually busy enough now from like consults like he's telling me he's like dude do you know how much money i made and i'm like I told him, I don't want to take credit, just like you said. I don't yeah. want to take credit, no. but basically I'm like, I told you. Yeah. Like your your mental aptitude is too high. Like yeah. I still haven't hit my real stride, right. but I'm never going to like begrudge his success or your yeah. success or you well, know, Josh it's like is, it's, everybody's he's a, story is different. He's proof, right? Like he's proof of concept. Like it it was – there's a there's – a, there's a discipline factor in that you need to be consistent. Like that is my Achilles heel. That's my kryptonite. Like I will, I will post for a hundred days and then I disappear for a hundred days, you know, and I'm not saying that's neither good nor bad, but I know that's my Achilles heel. So showing up is the hardest fucking part. You know, Stanley Kubrick has said this on another podcast. He was quoted. The hardest part of filmmaking is getting out of the car, like walking out, going on set. That's the hardest part. And so Josh showed up to the dance and he put in the deposits, you know what I mean? Like, um, so he, and he's the proof of concept that if you, at the right time with the right content, you're adding the value, you connect with the culture, boom, away you go. And it happened during the pandemic. It happened during a time of maximum pessimism and he deserves all the credit for sure. But that is, but that is awesome. And so, you know, yeah, I saw that it was his birthday yesterday and, um, he surrounds himself with good people like you, man. So I'm glad he I'm glad he listened and he shows up and he does the work every day. And if you haven't checked him out on TikTok, I believe it's Josh Terry plays or Josh plays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Josh so, Terry. So check plays. him out. And odds are, if you're on TikTok, you've already bumped into his content already because this guy is wilding out. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, what have What have yeah. you learned from him? Um, I, I think mostly when it comes to uh, TikTok specifically, it was the capacity to reach out to different audiences. Um, 
especially because I feel like TikTok is its own separate entity. I don't share a lot of my TikTok content across other platforms because it's very platform specific. Mm -hmm. um, so people have a problem, for instance, with people sexualizing things in my industry. Right. But in the context of a TikTok video, like I would take a fairly racy song or something weird like that I wouldn't use for massage advertisement yeah. to draw people into my story where it's like I've got a sense of humor about working on a girl's butt or whatever it right. is. Like I, I was making you know, content specific to the platform, and I think most of it really what I've seen with Josh was just a play. In other words, like Josh was trying to deal with like music stuff. Mm -hmm. To make a perfect audio track, people are going to play it a million times. It's going to be on YouTube or Spotify, and that's great. He's not like it's not like he's not doing that, but he blew up related to financial advice. Yeah, related to like investing that has nothing to other people's minds to do with that. The other thing is, I talked about all the software I'm using. It's like you have fun with the platform. I'm getting ready to do tastings. What I'm going to sit down with three different kinds of coffee from Third Coast Coffee. Sit down with three cups, smell the beans, smell the coffee, taste the coffee, compare them, and talk about, well, okay, this coffee's from Rwanda. Rwanda is the ninth largest coffee producer in Africa. Its coffee often has sense, hints of like cinnamon or like citrus. Mm. What do I know about coffee? Hmm. Nothing more than what I'm learning with the audience as I go. And then it's mm. like if I do a tequila tasting, I do a cheddar cheese tasting. I That's do. Cool. People are going to see that in my social media, especially on YouTube, and yeah. go, I don't – wait, I don't understand. This doesn't have anything to do with body work. And it's like – Dude, my, no, my, my inner child my inner child wants to interrupt you and tell you – because I want to highlight this because this is – you're on to something. You talked about COVID hit. Boom, 5K loss. Sorry, I, I keep repeating that figure. I know it stings. I know it fucking stings. It stings me. Yeah. Um, COVID hit, boom. One of your legs of the table of your income revenue streams knocked off, but you got three other legs. Like you said, you diversified and you allocated your, your, your income streams. What you're talking about, because here's the thing, like you're going to make your fortune – not by beating I'm not going to say beating somebody's meat. Not by tenderizing another human being. You're going to you're going to you're going to gain your fortune over digital distribution of information. I think we all know that. Over yep. your content, yep. your IP. That's how you're going to yep. accumulate your fortune. What you're talking about about doing these tastings. My inner child is excited because you're talking about diversification of content. And I've never fucking thought about that. Because I'm Knives Monroe, the filmmaker guy. Why does he do yeah. a podcast? Oh, I do a podcast because when you do 200 podcasts and I finally drop a feature film, you're going to be like, oh, Knives Monroe is a filmmaker. Well, I've always been a filmmaker. Yeah. And so without even meaning or trying to, this is a diversification of my content. But I stick to the niche. I stick to making content for creators. Like my business is called Indie Darlings, you know, but... What you're talking about is really illuminating because I don't diversify my content, not really. But what you're doing is yeah. – I think it's absolutely inspired. Well, it's like you could start another channel, and maybe we will eventually. But at the same time, it's I'm gonna like – I'm going to write again, this down. The, TikTok, it's like, okay, yeah, you can make content hoping that somebody sees you and becomes a client. Or you can take the app and have fun yeah. and show personality. Yeah. and build brand. And then uh, Simon Sinek has a famous video. He's like, um, 
Ooh, uh, start start with why. I think it was a memo. It was a TED talk. That's right. And he says that people don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. Yeah. They don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. And I go, okay, hold on. And I've watched this video a hundred times. Same. I'm still working on this. And I'm Same. like, so why do you do what you do, Robert? And I'm like, well, fundamentally, I think that what I'm doing answers three main issues in the culture at large: uh, touch intimacy, sexuality, and possibly touches on social equity, me too, and like social justice. And people go, what? What are, I'm like, listen, I perform a clothes on, mm -hmm. publicly performed, mat-based form of work where people have to practice consent, yep. have to interact with other people who are other humans, regardless of race, gender, creed, class, status. And we realize we're all people in pain who need touch and intimacy. And we deal with touch specifically to help people in the middle of an opiate epidemic. Now, if you take those concepts and you roll, what I'm teaching is the answer, at least in portion, to the opiate epidemic. What I'm teaching is a por portion of the, the answer to social equity and justice. It's a humanizing force. Mm -hmm. It's the answer to Me Too and issues related to consent. People would think I was insane. They're like, dude, you're – and I'm like, no, you're thinking too small. Yeah. This – changes even if it's just in within my little industry it yeah. changes everything it the does. problem is i've not been able and that's what i was saying about the video editing yeah i've not been able to roll a picture of martin luther king jr of <laughs> frederick douglas susan b anthony sojourner truth george carlin and and my heroes yeah. and say this is what we're doing yeah. I know it looks like I'm just some massage therapist educator, but the reason that I continue at it is not – and granted, i got to pay my bills. The reason I continue at it is because I have a spiritual fervor. That's mm. why no one can compete with me mm. because while they're resting, I'm like, no, God gave me a mission. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. tremendous. You know, I think about that, the start with why. I remember seeing that TED Talk in like 2010, 2011. I have the notebook somewhere here where I wrote down – what he said, uh, he, 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 I think he has like a whiteboard and he drew something. And I, I have that in my, one of my notebooks here. And people remind, it, remind me of that every day, you know, start with why, start with why. And I forget it and I take it for granted. And when I'm meditating and my blood pressure or blood, what do you call it, my beats per minute, my heart rate, when that's like at yeah. 150 or 160 and something crazy and I'm sweating and I'm meditating and I'm, you know, I'm one with what's going on in my body and all that stuff. I remember that the whole reason why I get it, why I do what I do is to impact people's self-esteem. Because when you can do that, they can do anything. That's the why. But we forget that. It's not yeah. about the clicks and the impressions and the, all that. I got to pay my bills, too. My kids got to eat. They need their braces, so on and so forth, like you said. But the, the, the self-esteem impact, because if you can get there, you know, who can they impact, right, after that? Can they yeah. better themselves? Um, so I, I definitely think you're – you're totally right with that, and we, we forget about it. I know I certainly do. I'll be the first to say I'm guilty of forgetting the mission, and I get caught up in the – God bless you. We get caught up in the, in the practicality of things. We get caught up in the minutia and in the bullshit, the bureaucracy, self-imposed bureaucracy. We get caught up in it, man. So this is a, a hearty reminder to, to remember why the fuck we do this to begin with. I think on top of what you're saying, you know, eliminating 
or at least alleviating trauma as well, physical trauma, yeah. emotional, what have you. That's definitely something that you do yeah. and it matters. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's like they, they buy why you do what you do, not not what. They don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. I don't spend a lot of time talking about trauma. I don't spend a lot of time talking about PTSD. You know, I spend a lot of time talking about chronic pain. You're, you're honing the, the messaging. Audio and video, you gave me a tool like video editing, and I go, wow, like the story I can tell starts to like transform if you if you play with it right. The other part is I think if you take it too seriously, it loses some of its joy. There was a certain playfulness that came with TikTok where you realized based on the content you were seeing people produce, like – not everything has to be professional. That's correct. I know. It's you. I, I get. It's your I get, business. I get swallowed up in that all the time. You know, especially in we live in uh, over here in filmmaking land. We're so inundated with uh, camera gear porn. It is so heavily. Um, the dick slaps our faces of camera gear porn every single day, and it's just like. Look, we have we have iPhones. This is better than we ever could have dreamed. Like that, that it's just another impediment, self-imposed bureaucracy to. Well, I need this camera to to achieve X, Y, and Z results. No, you fucking don't. You know that is yeah. a distraction from the cause. You know, you gave me that that fifteen second, like, hey, do your ad, dude. I've I've sat down and I can write and I can speak. Uh, verbiage is one of my gifts, but when you add a visual element, I was like, Robert you need to write the Gettysburg address for massage therapists. You need to write Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream speech that rolls social equity and me too and justice, social justice, transformation, me too into your industry. And you take that audio and then flip through your heroes, flip through the visuals of you doing the work at the time massage jam, working with people you know, it's like when you tell that story and you put it together in a 30 second ad that has good visuals, what it's going to do is, and this is the thing, and I've struggled with this because I am very intellectual. You think people buy because of their intellect. It's better, faster, smarter, effective. No, they buy because of their heart. And if you figure out how to tell the story to pull on their heartstrings, they will come your direction. Because you're you're pulling on this deeper desire of connection, this deeper desire. Like Amazon, do people dislike Amazon because Amazon is delivering products faster, cheaper? No. They're frustrated at Amazon because they feel like Bezos is somehow losing his heart because he's going for this sort of capitalist greed instead of caring about his employees. That's what they're concerned about. That's they're true. not they, they they want their product tomorrow. They do. Yeah. They love Amazon Prime. They just don't want it to lose its heart, and that's what part of the social justice equity issues are going on. What I'm looking at as a small business owner is how do I build that rapidly, rapidly fervent tribe? Yeah. Not of people who like Robert is a good teacher. No, 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 no. The people who pick up my spiritual mission and go, let's go. Let's do this. Let's change the world. If you told people that was what I was doing, they're like, what? But Robert made a TikTok video that had like Back in Black from ACDC in it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They, they don't necessarily see the correlation, but 
being able to pull on people emotionally is likely going to bring increased sales and also it's going to draw the people that I really want to teach and that I really want to work with. Where do you get your your m massage or body work wisdom from? You know, like how do you update your software to learn new techniques or what have you, new holistic approaches? Because you're you're a four dimension chess player when it comes to body work. You know that. Like, just the idea of of, of working on somebody with their clothes on, with the lights on, and so on is is already inspired, right? But like, where do you yeah. where do you go to replenish that cup? How do you fill your cup again? Well, you know, I learn more these days from other industries than I do from within the massage community. And when it comes to body work itself, I'm probably a much better body worker, massage therapist, a person who does manual therapy. I'm probably much better at this because of my yoga practice. Mm. And at first people are like, but I don't understand. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <sighs> You know, they look at yoga and massage as these two separate things, and I'm like, yoga is how I massage myself. Yeah. Yoga is how I do a headstand, change my blood pressure, force blood down into my head, strengthen my cervical spine because I've got this nice little tripod now. Uh, okay, I'm going to roll that. Oh, yeah, roll the shoulder blade there, create a little bit of space in the facet joint. The minutiae of information I've gotten about how to deal with back pain, when people get a session with me and they're like, dude, how do you know that? I'm like, this. Yeah. This is how I know that. This goes back because to – Because I know what happens when you forward bend your spine, and I know what happens when you back bend your spine because I've right. done the practice. You add that, and then you start looking at other physical disciplines. So I'll give you an idea of some of the physical disciplines I haven't yet looked at. And, mm. and granted, during COVID, I'm not going to go out for this. Uh, several of my, my students, colleagues, they're like, dude, you need to practice Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, if I walk tomorrow into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu studio, that's a very different physical discipline within the martial arts that I've not studied. They put people in joint locks. What do I do in my body work? Yeah, yeah you work on the joints, right? And I'm like – they're like, dude, my, my, my colleague was freaking out, Tim McCoy. He's like, dude – you're doing therapeutic Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You put people in joint locks with – and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess, yeah, I, guess I see that. Yeah. You're taking a different physical discipline that deals with anatomy, physiology, nerves, you know, nervous system, the way that you respond, and then you're, you're taking that information from another discipline into this. You know, you're, you're taking that um, concept – and then applying it in an alternate field. Yeah. And that's where I think I get more of the information. The problem is it would be a lot like only learning about videography from other videographers. Right. You probably have a light shine occasionally from some 15-year-old on TikTok because without training, he does something that like, ooh, check this out. I never thought about this. It's that same sort of thing like you're using information – from another discipline in an alternate way. Yep. Now, if it's just insular, you're only talking to massage therapists. You're only going to learn what massage therapists know. That's what the problem is. 
Like I keep looking right. outside of my industry. And again, just like you, we have limited time, limited resources. Mm -hmm. I just continue to read and study based on where my interests are to be able to expand. And in the end, I did enough good body work to be able to build my business, teach what I was doing. You know, if all I do is mat based clothes on, that is such a fundamental and huge shift from the predominant industry. It may as well take this and be turning it upside down. My industry is looking at what I'm doing and they're going, this isn't massage. That's how, that's how different these models are, but I'm not hearing this is ineffective. They're that's just right. saying this <laughs> isn't like what we're taught in school. And I'm like, dude, it's 2020. Like I've got access to Google and global information flow for my smartphone. I don't give a shit what I was taught in high school when I graduated in 1995 I know. before I ever had access to the internet. Like it's a new world. Like go. Yeah. You're talking about diversifying, um, your different art forms. We'll go back to that. You know, um, I have a very strong base, if you will, on, I guess it would be uh, narrative, I think, narrative, and then the visual comp uh, compositions, you know, and then sonically, how you can affect people with sound and so on. And then I used to always, you can go back to my earlier podcast, I would always beat myself up of being a jack of all trades, master of none, you know. My, ideally, my job, I would love to give a cinematographer the frame and be like, paint this, you know, give me this kind of lighting and all that. I don't want to be the grip. I don't want to be the guy that, that moves the lights around and I don't want to be, I don't want to be the cinematographer, but I had to teach myself that. So when people give me props, Oh, you're a good video editor. I'm like, am I though? Cause I just mashed the things together. Like I never went to school for that. I self-taught that I had to learn that discipline. I had to learn color grading. I had to learn video lights. I had to learn sound, all that. And I would say that's my base. But then when I, when I dive into something different, that's where you learn something new and then you can implement it into your into your foundation, right? So that's a that's a tremendous insight to to replenish the cup cuz oftentimes I struggle with <laughs> I've said this to one of my friends recently who's been on the show. Every week I have the thought, is this the week where I announce my retirement or I'm like do I walk away from film? Like I can't just keep doing this because and you know, it's a, that, that comes from a variety of factors. I would say predominantly it's, it's my passion. It's just like I'm running on fumes, you know, and I'm my most enthusiastic and pumped up and, and, and uh, affecting change when my enthusiasm is, when that cup is running over. Um, and I always think, man, should I announce my retirement? Because like, where where is filmmaking? Where are movies? People don't even want to pay for fucking movies. People are bitching about paying Disney Plus thirty dollars to watch a movie. I I understand. You know, people pay. I'm competing with Netflix, where you get an unlimited amount of movies that you can never watch in a hundred lifetimes for twelve dollars a month. How it's the audacity to ask someone to pay ten dollars to watch your movie. And so I struggle with. I have like an identity crisis that's ongoing with that. And I see the kids on TikTok that are building careers and and affecting change and doing incredible things with filmmaking but it's not 400 people in a theater i'm like what is going on and now i'm in a process of unlearning in the past year that's challenged all of us that's challenged our country and the hearts of minds of so many business owners what have you unlearned this year that you're going to take with you into the future 
what no longer serves you about an old model that maybe you were so running I, 12 I, months I ago? I think in, in my industry specifically, there is a notion – I hear this all the time. Um, there is a notion about what professional is, and somebody will say, somebody released this video. I don't – and this is massage therapist. I don't think it's professional, and I go, okay, what do you define as professional? Let's answer that first. And there's a lot of massage therapists who want to be considered physical therapists. They want to be considered doctors. They want to be considered people who bill insurance or part of the medical community. And I go, I'm not particularly interested in that. I offer medical grade manual therapy, but I'm not really interested in kowtowing to their notion of what professional is. For me, professional is, do I get paid? Mm -hmm. Do people pay me for what I do? Do my bills, like, then you're a pro. Like, okay. I don't, so the, the, uh, Gary V, the years ago, this is year, years ago, Gary, if you ever see this. Uh, Gary, I was watching some of his videos, and I was very taken with Gary, because it was like, man, he's like a business guy, but he's street. Like, he's got a, he's got a certain, like, shake you out of your torpor. And then all of a sudden, he was in this business meeting, probably with, like, some kind of t-shirt and tennis shoes on, and he, like, kicked up his feet and dropped an F-bomb in the middle of a business meeting. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. I was completely, like, taken aback for a second. And then I went, wow. Like, he's at the top of his game changing the rules. Like, I am that street kid. The reason I'm so impressed with Gary is his heart and then his, like, conviction. And he understands that the technology is shifting and changing things so he can drop the F-bomb in the middle of a you know video. I had a, an educator call me one time. I'll tell you this quick story. Uh, they called me. They wanted me to come into a local school because they wanted me to do a discussion on social media marketing. Mm -hmm. And I said, cool, let's do it. I talked to them a little bit, and she said, Robert, I want you to know I have a little bit of a problem with you. And I said, you don't like the way I dress, do you? And she said, no. I said, you don't like the shirt I wear that says ideas are shit, execution is the game. And she's like, no, Robert, it's not very professional. Yeah. And I said, you know that I wear that shirt almost as a prop, correct? And she was like, what? And I was right. like, when I wear that shirt, that's Gary V. I'm advertising to other Gary V fans that I am that person in my industry. That's right. That this is about getting shit done and the changing disruptor. the world. This is not about your conception of what the F-bomb does to my professionalism. And she was like, you know, very taken aback, but this is the industry I'm in. When I went in to give that actual talk, they would not allow me to film my own talk. Mm. This was a talk on social media marketing. I was going <laughs> to live stream and promote their school, and they said, absolutely not. And that's mm. the last talk I'll ever give at that school because you're not really wanting me to teach social media marketing because social media marketing to you is anarchy. It allows somebody like me to have power and be a professional when you're still trying to maintain status quo. You want to be accepted by a medical industry that's created the largest opiate epidemic we've ever had. The Sackler family makes money off Oxycontin. Oof. It's like you, you want these people to approve of you? I'm busy. I, I have things to do. Whatever you think you're doing has nothing to do with me. The unlearning process is 
in the end, when it came to body work, I always, 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 when it came to manual therapy, which was my main like bread and butter until I started getting into education, teaching what I was doing, was how do I make this optimally effective for the client? And then how do I make it as easy to deliver on me as possible? Once I did both of those things, people said, no, but that's not traditionally Thai. And I'm like, ooh, you guys are worried about tradition from 2,000 years ago with the Buddha? The Buddha didn't have <laughs> antibiotics, bro. Antibiotics aren't traditional. Like, are you fucking out of your mind? Yeah. Like, I have no interest in this myopic little worldview that you have. That guy came to ease suffering. That's right. what I just said. How does it help my client, and how is it easy on my body? How does it deal with both of our – X marks the spot. Yep. The unlearning process for me is like you know, you always do what you always did. You always get what you always got. That's right. And I'm like, let's change it. Let's change it. Yep. Let's change it. And it, it might be like for me, okay, you have a podcast. I have a podcast. Do you make money off of your podcast? No. But there are Do other, I make money there are other off of my podcast? There are other frequencies that aren't just money that are valuable to me that I attract. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I've had a client. I go in and see the client, work with them. They paid me $300 for a session. That's right. And I said, how did you find me? And they're like, well, I found you on your website, and then I listened to your podcast. That's right. And they listened to me talk to a female colleague about what I do and what is their – conception their perception of my professionalism because of my podcast that's right that's right trust this person cares they're doing good work i found them online increases the google search like all this all this stuff the unlearning i mean i, I think fundamentally nice some of what we're dealing with when you talk about video like i feel like you and i on, on different ends because you're more in the video realm i've kind of had to learn it from a, a different you know perspective i tell people this regularly um the printing press led to the protestant reformation people had access to the word of god in their own language they read it they got upset the protestant reformation Basically, the printing press disrupted society. There were people who did not like the printing press. I'm assuming if you go back through history, you will find Luddites who wanted to smash the printing press. Mm. Now, what is this smartphone that I'm using for this podcast, by the way? What is this smartphone doing in comparison to the printing press, and how much more transformational is this technology? I mean, it's witchcraft compared to the printing press. Dude, it's – it's yeah, it, it's – yeah. And the thing is – I think that is the conversation because we're we're trying to figure out how do we adapt into a technological shift that is yeah. so vast. You know, when we talk about social equity and justice, you know, I was in high no, I was in college. I was in I'm trying to remember when Rodney King happened, uh, what like, year it was. Like, it was like ninety one or ninety. Yeah, like the thing is, when they had the trial, I was in college, I think. Mm. No, no, was that OJ? No, that was OJ. That was OJ. So anyway, when when you saw stuff with Rodney King, now I don't know if I've ever seen the entire tape. I just saw a black man on camera being beaten to death by police. It didn't give me a favorable opinion when I saw that video. Right now, was that anything new, or is it just that the technology had shifted so that people had cameras and we began to see what? Yep, hundred percent. Because now they can film it. They can film your ass. You don't get to do what you've been doing to black people in this country without them. Like, 
when people riot, I go, listen, I'm generally not a fan of violence, but I understand you guys, and I understand why you're fucking frustrated. Because when you see this again and again and again, this is what's changing in our world. It's like there's so much information flow now. It's like we're literally having a debates in our country related to Facebook, related to Ed Snowden, related to Google, related to Amazon, related to data collection, where it's like what do we choose to do? And there's so much information. What's true anymore? That's how much information flow we have. We literally like they're arguing about, you know, kids going to school and like learning online. And I'm like, listen, if you if you're if <laughs> If you run a school and you'd like me to talk to the kids, just go ahead and live stream in at my home. I'll, what, do we, what do you want, guys? Right. You want to know about history? You yep. want to know about philosophy? You want to know about body work? You want to know sure. about anatomy or physiology? Yeah. And they're like, but you know, but you, but I what? Yeah. It's like online education in my industry is looked at as like garbage, and I'm like, guys, whoa, you have, we we separated at some point. I realized. Digital distribution allowed me to teach from my home and distribute information to sub-Saharan Africa and be able to teach someone how to work on people in their village so long as their smartphone could connect to the internet. That is unparalleled information distribution. I think some of the problem you and I are having, Knives, is just like everybody else, we're trying to adapt to technological changes that yeah. are so fundamental. I mean. I'm 43 years old. I played Atari as a mm -hmm. kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a missile command. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like we live in a world with Twitch. I know. It's insane. Yeah. Like how how do we, you know, process that? And I think also um there's more mediums than ever to be an artist and tell your story. It's like we're, we're having a challenge potentially, and you tell me, related to monetization because you need to make money to continue doing what you're doing. I feel like some of the conversations I've even seen with Andrew Yang where they're talking about universal basic income, I don't think people sometimes philosophically sit back and think about the fact that the problem is society is developing and changing so fast we're going towards Star Trek. And people are trying to figure out what happens to capitalism, and it's like capitalism is going to be surpassed to something else. Yeah. Now, what that is and how quickly that happens remains to be seen. Unless the slave but owners – if the slave owners get there first, then capitalism will evolve, right? It will turn into something else. We Hopefully, the people at the bottom with whoever creates Bitcoin, even though Facebook's creating their own – cryptocurrency right like we're gonna have to disrupt it it's going to take the people at the bottom you know facebook I, I disrupted mean, that, so much but now it became the the conglomerate right i think again the term that i use regularly is repeated iteration and when i say that what i mean is you're doing something repetitively and it's like let's say you cook a steak and you're trying to figure out well how do i caramelize it and make it just right how do I improve it? How do I improve its texture, flavor, nuance? It's that you know, it's that Jiro that Jiro dreams of sushi shit. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the the repeated iteration, doing it again and again. It's like, but you're just cooking a steak. Like, who cares? And it's like, no. If you strive to improve it, and you repeat it again and again and again, you're going to notice things that are going to allow you to come out with a better texture, flavor, whatever. The same thing applies in business. I think what I see a lot of people doing, unfortunately, is 
they're frustrated because automation and technology is changing our society so rapidly we can't keep up. You're not going to be able to get technology to slow down any more than you're going to be able to go back in time and destroy the printing press. You have to adapt, evolve, change to the modern marketing, to the modern practice. If you're a business owner who is afraid of social media, you have a really hard learning curve ahead of you. The business place is changing, and I think what you were mentioning, Knives, about the body worker social media thing is like yeah. with the skills that I have now, I see myself almost getting to this point where people are starting to call me and ask for consulting. Mm. And I'm like, okay, consulting on what? And it's kind of like, well, we want you to be our social media marketer. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Like you're asking for – when I hear that, I'm hearing everything I do for my business, and I'm like, I'm busy. Like I don't – I mean I'll, I'll help people when I can, and I put out information related to business that could be applied across industries. But it's also a matter of when you're capable of doing all these things, what do you then put your focus into? That's right. Usually there's time or money. Do, do you have more time or money, Knives? Man, I want more time. I, want, I would trade <laughs> the money so for you, time. Do I, I mean, so I, I have more time. Money. <laughs> I have more time, yeah. technically. I mean, if I got to yeah. compare the two, but I want more time. Haven't you heard like Gary yeah, say I mean, that he would trade it all just to be 19 again and just to start from the game at that level again, just to play more? Yeah. That's time. Well, but here's the thing. Successful people and successful bands, I see this constantly. They don't reminisce about when they played for 100,000 people and were worth millions of dollars. They reminisce about being in the garage or somebody's basement and their somebody's mom came in was like, would you be quiet? Like, you know, that's what they reminisce about because it was fun. It was breaking the rules. It was creativity. It wasn't even attached to like fiscal concerns because you were just creating the art. That's right. I think that one, you can't fight technology. You got to adapt and repeat iteration. When you get annoyed because you can't get your Zoom to work and you can't figure out a camera, welcome. You, you're into the age of YouTube tutorials now and FAQs. Congratulations. It's just par for the course. You have to continue to adapt and evolve. Uh, you jokingly told me, hey, I made a quick TikTok. I sat down and made a Instagram video and a TikTok video in the time, in the gap, mm -hmm. just because I didn't have anything else to do. And I'm like, okay, it's another piece of content. You're playing and having fun, especially in social media because this technology is so easy to use. You know, I'm always trying to think about how do I engage people in the story? How do I talk about the things that are of interest to me, which is food, social justice, um, history, anthropology, you know, these various things that don't necessarily have much to do with just my work practice. But the ongoing brand building, it's like I know that Gary Vee loves sneakers. I know that Gary Vee loves sports and the Jets. I know that he had Wine Library TV. When you sit back and look at it, you're like, wow, that's really diverse, but it's all part of his ongoing brand building process. When I talk about having a tequila tasting, I know students are like, I don't understand. Why is Robert having this tequila tasting? And then I go, well, the 10 top students I have two years from now, when we go to a retreat in Hawaii, 
and then we're there for two weeks, and then I bust out 10 bottles of tequila and go, listen, these are my 10 favorite bottles of tequila. We're doing a tasting live. Oh, <laughs> and I invited The Rock because yeah. Terramana Tequila, he's at least the owner or partial owner, and I was hoping he may show up and, like, you know, l let us sample a couple of his tequilas or whatever. That's amazing like diverse sort of outside the box thinking about the things that you enjoy about brand building about connecting with other business people like the rock um you know i am a big fan of trying to get people as much as possible to take out their phone and have fun and dream what do you really want to do what do you re no, no 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 not what you're okay with like what do you really want to do and how do you create that the thing that's like so fun that makes so much money that it's like beyond your wildest dreams that you would ever be able to do it the stuff that gets you excited that's what i want to talk about and that's what i want to figure out through repeated iteration how do you get there how do you get to the mountaintop the stuff that gets me so excited is exactly what is, is is exactly what you talked about today and it fired me up robert where can people find you on the internet sir thank you so much for coming on and we have to do it again because I'm a student, sure. and I, I can learn so much from you, Sensei. So please, where can people stalk you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on my website, robertgardnerwellness.com, uh, across social media platforms. Uh, on Snapchat and TikTok, I think it's RG Wellness. On Instagram, it's Robert G Wellness One Two, I think. But I'm across social media. You can look up in YouTube. Uh, you'll find my uh, YouTube channel there, just under Robert Gardner, Robert Gardner Wellness. Um, there is a free workbook on my website in addition to a free trial subscription service. Uh, there's a vault of about 500 hours of my curriculum and instruction. Uh, it includes social media marketing, so if you're interested in that, go ahead and subscribe. It's uh, on the website in the store. And thank you so much, Knives. I really appreciate it. I'd love to uh, be on again soon and chat with you. Wait a second. Did you say free on your website? Free? Yeah, so the subscription service, there's just a vault with like 500 hours of my classroom instruction from the past three years. It's free for your first month. It's $7 a month afterwards. $700 a month? That's nothing. People spend more on on coffee. For, yes. For 300 hours of content? 500. 500 hours of content? You'd be insane. Basically, it's 7 bucks. It's every class I've recorded in the last three years. Holy shit, you'd be a sucker to not check that out. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Robert, for coming on. It means the world to me. This is going to go up later tonight, and uh, I hope you got as much out of it as I know I did. Thanks so much, brother. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks, man. Never ever believe anything you hear. I believe only half of what you see. And always, 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 forever and ever and ever, Put a force field around your heart.